Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I am Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining me today. We're going to have a spectacular hour. Beverly Canaris is in studio. And did you know nine times in the Gospel of John, Jesus declares himself as I am and goes on to explain who he is in relation to us in that context. We're going to continue our discussion with Bev. We started that uh, last week, I think, and we didn't cover all the I am, so I insist that she come back finish the work she started. So she's back here with me in studio for the full hour. I am in Ephesians chapter 3 right now, and in verse 20 it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. What a great uh, verse, what a tremendous inspiration that we are going to be able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, according to the power that is at work within us. So we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to have a full hour with Bev Canaris. We'll be back in 60 seconds. Listening to Faith Radio is convenient and easy on an Amazon Alexa or Echo device. Just say, enable Faith Radio to get started. Once the skill is enabled, say, play Faith Radio, and you'll hear the live stream. You can also access previous programs by listening to the podcast. Stay connected to Faith Radio at home, work, or anywhere there's an Alexa or Echo device. Learn more at MyFaithRadio.com. Highlighting real hope every day. Faith Radio. It's a staple for me. I enjoy your program. Insight that you give uh, is very encouraging, and it just walks alongside my, my faith journey. It rounds everything out and is just so meaningful and applicable to daily living. It's the intersection of faith and life. Faith Radio. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be inviting Beverly Canaris back into the studio. Bev taught Bible study fellowship, teaching leader for over 30 years, and loves to mentor and loves to uh, teach God's Word. And um, we're delighted to continue the discussion we started last week about the I am's in Scripture. And we didn't get through all of them, so I insisted she come back and, and finish what she started. Bev, welcome back. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, On my let's... favorite topic, oh, I know. the Lord I Jesus and who He is and what He's all about and well, let's set the table and maybe do okay. a little bit of review from last week just to get us up to speed. Well, I did start out with a quote by A.W. Tozer who said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So right thinking about God really matters a great deal. And there's such confusion about who God is, which God is the true God, um, what does it mean to be a Christian, who is Jesus Christ, was he just a good man, great guy, teacher, was he Lord, was he God? Um, Decisions about who he is is often based 
on feelings or hearsay from others. So the goal of these I am's um, really is to expose the listeners and to remind myself to what Jesus has said about himself in the Bible. So in the book of John, as you said earlier, um, there is so many of these I am statements that it's just a rich study just to go through the book underline them, and take note of what he's really revealing about himself in each one of those. So instead of listening to others, we want to hear what Jesus himself has said about who he is. Um, John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God but the only one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So the reason that Christ came in the world was not only to save us sinners from our sins and to give us that eternal life, but also to reveal who God is in greater depth than what we've had before. Jesus is really saying here that he is God, he is a member of the Holy Trinity, and he's on a mission to reveal God to us. You know, I think about Christmas morning at your house and um, all these complicated toys are given to your kids and then they can't figure out how to do it. So dad has to get down on the floor and help them to figure it out and, and make it so that they can enjoy these new things, all these things that they've been given. So that's kind of what Christ did. He came down to our level as a human being, yet he was fully divine. And he is going to show us life at its best, what it is to be lived and also to redeem us from our sinful nature into a, a state of um, salvation, a state where we are forgiven, a state where we know that we are loved unconditionally. So he came down to do all of that and more. We could spend days on these I am statements. Mm-hmm. That's a God who cares. Wow. Yeah. So what? Um, let's cover the I am statements briefly that we got to last week, and then we'll carry on with the rest of them. Great. So last time we talked about Jesus, he said, I am the Messiah. And sometimes we don't know what the Messiah, what that really means. But this, the Messiah was the um, promised one, the long-awaited hope of, uh, of Israel. And so Jesus claims, I am he, I am the one. And then we talked about him being the bread of life and how we are to feed on him. And without him, we don't have the nourishment we need for life. And then we talked about, I am the light of the world. Just such a beautiful analogy there that we really are walking in darkness. If we don't know him, if we don't know his word, we don't understand who he really is. So he is the light. In all of these, he's saying this means about me, not just about a, a religion or a set of truths. He's talking all these things are true about him. Um, and then he said, I am from above and not of this world. Again, that really shows us his... Um, his divine nature, that he he did not originate here. He is just merely visiting here as the divine Lord. And then we ended last time on I am the Good Shepherd, which is a beautiful picture. I love that picture. Maybe you've seen it growing up, Bill, of G- Jesus standing there with a lamb on his shoulders <laughs> yeah. on, around his neck. Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful picture. It brings such comfort, no matter what your age is. I know a lot of them used to be in children's bedrooms uh, for comfort. But that really is a great comfort for all of us to know that Jesus cares about us that much and is our shepherd still. Mm -hmm. Didn't we talk about I'm the door too? We did talk about I'm the door. And that's an important one um, to remember that access into the kingdom of God, you must go through Christ. Mm -hmm. There's no bypassing him. And people today want to bypass him. Um, and 
that's not going to be the case. He He's the good shepherd that puts himself by that gate um, in the sheepfold, and he uh, takes one in at a time. He knows them. He cares for each one. He calls us by name, um, and we know his voice. It's a beautiful relationship between sheep and shepherd. He's mm-hmm. our shepherd. We are those wandering sheep. <laughs> when we think of world religions, Bev, we think that all religions claim some truth, and all religions have some exclusivity. So when we hear that Jesus says, I am the gate, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a strong statement, but it's it's, it's what, truth. It's what truth is. All of these statements are exclusive. Mm-hmm. Because as we go through the ones we're going to go through today, you're going to see that no one else has said these things and proved it. Right. Um, this is not just some braggart. Forgive that that's disrespectful at all, but he is not bragging here. He is telling us the truth. He is revealing who God is to us um, as the Son of God now on earth. So let's get going to our next ones now. Um, the next is going to be the great I am is I am the resurrection and the life. You know, I think it's going to be worth our time to take our little break, maybe just a minute early. And then when we come back, we can start uh, concluding the I am's. But I think that would make more sense if that's all right with you. Beverly is my guest in studio. We're talking about the I am's and how Jesus talked about himself and let's learn about him based on what he says about himself it's going to be a great hour we'll take a short break and we will be right back We're back with Beverly Canaris, and we're talking about the I Am's, the way Jesus talks about himself, and we're going to get real specific. We went through, I am the Messiah, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am from above and not of this world, I am, I am the door, and I am the good shepherd. So, Bev, let's pick up with the next uh, I Am, and I think it's the I Am, the resurrection, and the life. Yeah, let's put this in a little bit of context. We're actually in the 11th chapter of John, and what has happened here is Lazarus has died, and Lazarus was a personal, close friend of his, along with his sisters Mary and Martha. And Jesus heard about his death and waited three days before he went to the sisters to comfort them. And when he greets them, um, they both said, Oh, Lord, if only you had been here. If only you had been here. So they they, they felt some grief, obviously, up for their brother, but they also felt like a deep uh, regret, um, a little bit of, oh, why weren't you here? Um, a little what if. Um, Mary and Martha had been waiting for Jesus, and in their eyes, he came too late. But Jesus really challenges Martha's and Mary's faith um, when they said, if only you had been here, Jesus. Uh, Martha will... Jesus will take Martha and help her to declare her faith. He said, do you believe this when he said these words? So here's where we get this uh, great I am. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha answers him with, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who has come into the world. What Martha really is saying here is that 
you, Jesus, are the Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah. You have fulfilled prophecy. You are the Son of God. You are divine. Martha believes. Now, she's not believing in the fact of of what Jesus can do or what um, other things. She is believing in the person of Jesus Christ. There's a big distinction here. She is putting her trust in him and who he is. I, I know in the Old Testament, Job had the age-old question, if a man die, will he live again? And all of the great religious leaders today are what? Dead. They're mm-hmm. dead. Mm-hmm. Only Christ died and rose again to show us that, yes, man does die and he does live again. Jesus is the only one who ever said that he is the resurrection and then proved it by his own resurrection. He not only raises Lazarus from the dead, he also raised the son of the widow of Nain from mm-hmm. the dead. I, I, I love this scene. There's this funeral procession with this little boy in the coffin. I don't know how little he is, but he was a boy, a, a young son, and in his coffin, and the widow is behind them, and people are just filled with grief. The loss of a child is his hardest, one of the hardest things in this world. And he is so moved with compassion at the scene. He goes over and takes the little boy and calls him back to life and gives him back to his mother. So there's the heart of our God. And then there was Jairus's daughter who everybody thought had died. And Jesus said, no, she's only sleeping. And they laughed at him. She she was truly dead, this religious leader's daughter. And Jesus went in and told her to arise. And she arose from the dead. So Jesus, as the resurrection and the life, has power over life and death. That only God has that. So what he's really saying when he says, I am the resurrection and the life... He again is proving his divinity and who he really is. In Revelation, the last book of the Bible, Jesus is in his glory and now he's sitting on his throne and it's such a majestic, beautiful picture. And here's what he says. Fear not, I am first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Um, Jesus is in control of life and death. He is God, and he is in control of all that. Somehow that gives some people comfort and some people a little angry. If they've lost a loved one, they don't understand why God didn't intervene. Well, certainly Mary and Martha understood that feeling as well. But he is indeed in charge. And I think on the other side of eternity, when we see what really is, I think our questions will be answered. Jesus also said he, that he was the first fruit of what each one of us as his sheep, his believers, his followers, are going to do likewise. So his resurrection indicates there is a resurrection to the glorious future which Christ has promised for those who believe and live in him. Also, we know that eternal life is a gift of God, which God gives us on his own terms. And his terms are, we just read it in that verse from John 11, He who lives and believes in me shall never die. So scripture calls death our greatest enemy. That has been overcome by the only one who could do that, God himself. As we live and believe in him, we will never die. What exactly does that mean that we will never die? We know the truth is we all die. We're dying a little bit every day, getting closer and closer to it. 
it means that we will have this eternal life, um, a resurrection when he comes again of the body as well. It means more than just when he promises eternal life here. It's more than just a ticket to heaven. Eternal life begins here and now. It's a quality of life where we live our life in the power of the Lord. And there's also a quantity of life where you, uh, we will live on forever. But it's also true that the Bible does not teach annihilation. We all are going to be raised either to eternal life with Christ, where we will be in his presence, or to eternal separation from God, where the Bible kind of gives some frightening words that it's going to be a time of suffering and there's going to be, it's going to be great and it's going to be everlasting. So what does this mean to us? Today, mm-hmm. say we're not grieving someone. What, what yeah. does this incredible power over life and death and that he's the resurrection and the life mean to us as we're driving home from work today? Well, it really reveals Christ's resurrection, reveals his power to overcome all sorts of dead things in our life. We're dead in our sins until we confess Christ. And when we do, he buries our past and then he gives us a future and a hope and a new life in him. Our marriage may be dead, but Christ can bring it back to life. Our addictions may cause us to feel like we are in a death trap, but Christ can break the bonds of the death trap. Our depression can cause us to feel dead emotionally, but Christ can resurrect emotionally as well. I recently read about a young woman who was in a terrible place. She tried to end her life with an overdose of sleeping pills, but she was brought back from really the door of death by her physicians. And afterwards, she had such guilt and shame. Um, You know, they saved her life, but now she was really looking for a reason to live. Mm -hmm. So she talked with her pastor at length. She did receive the Lord. And a year later, the pastor received a letter from her. And this is what she wrote. This is a quote. Now I know exactly where I'm going. Ever since that day a year ago when I committed my life to Christ, the way has grown steadily brighter. He's a wonderful friend, and I'm no longer afraid. So this is a new life for her, living with Christ. It's a life that's completely turned around, and it's a life worth living. God does some of his best work in the face of death. Yeah, he does. And he does his most spectacular work. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's just ask the audience... What is feeling dead or hopeless in your life today? Yeah, what does it look like? Yeah, Jesus is the resurrection and the life, and he has power to take what feels so dead in you, whatever it is, and he can make it alive again. He can heal and bring back to life. So that to me, I love this uh, I am because of that, because I I see dead things around me and in my life and in other people's lives, and to know that he, he has the power to resurrect um, that resurrection power is alive and well today and working in the lives of his people all the time. And then if you're grieving a loved one, there's such hope in these words. I write this verse in most of my uh, cards when I'm, when I'm giving my condolences. John eleven twenty five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also Romans 8. I love that one too to include in cards. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So not death, nothing will keep us from him. So that's a beautiful promise as well. And I discovered this a few weeks ago, Psalm 68, 20. Our God is a God who saves 
from the sovereign Lord comes escape from death. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that our our earthly bodies aren't going to die. They are. But it's with a promise that we will be resurrected and live again with Christ. So the scriptures talk about the body, and it's not being buried. They talk about the the body being sown. Isn't that a beautiful picture? It's the the dead are sown into the ground, and like seeds, they're going to be raised up into a new glorious life and body. For the Christian, another word that keeps coming to mind is it's a home going to a place Christ promised to be preparing just for them. I love the home going. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Um, all right. So, okay, Bab, there's something I got stuck on a little bit. Yes, and dear. I don't know. I'll have to do more work on this unless you know for sure. Martha answered and says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So for a long time, I was thinking Jesus was talking about his own personal resurrection when he said, I am the resurrection and the life, but he's talking about the resurrection on at the last day. Martha referred to the resurrection yeah, the last day, at the last day. So she had faith that there was going to be, um, I, I'm reading Isaiah right now, and it's in that day, in that day. There's all these beautiful promises mm-hmm. in Isaiah, and I think she's just saying, I know in that day. I believe this, that mm-hmm. he will rise again, because we are promised. You know, look at Ezekiel, the, them old dry bones. Right, you're right. <laughs> so she had some background here. She realized there was going to be that resurrection of the actual body. Right. But no one was thinking about the, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead at this point. Um, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think that's part of the discussion I don't think here. it is either. I don't no. think it is. And I need to do more study on that, which yeah. I'll do tonight. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it's it's fascinating, and I love this dialogue, this very personal, heartfelt dialogue between Jesus and these two sisters. I love it too. He gives Jesus gives each sister exactly what they need. Yes, he does, and he and he doesn't just say, "Oh, come on, girls, you know, suck it up." Right. Uh, yes, your brother died, but you know that I'll I'll raise him up in the last day. Just get over it and. Let's move on here. No, he goes to the tomb, and what does he do? He knows he's going to raise him from the dead, mm-hmm. right? Because he knows all things. Um, he cries. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. That's a powerful verse, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept because he stepped into their pain. He did. And I asked myself, do I step into other people's pain? He did. Mm-hmm. He did. And that, to me, says it's okay to do that, mm-hmm. to step into their pain. Let your heart break. Yeah. We don't want to do that. Right. And we feel awkward about it. Not to mention he loved Lazarus himself. Exactly. And Lazarus it was a was, sad scene. was a corpse in, the, in, the, in a tomb at that point. Right. Right. Well, that is a, a beautiful I am there. It, and it's a beautiful one. You know, Bev, we have to take a break because we're great. up against a hard break right now. So we're going to get to the other two I am's remaining, which I believe is I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm the vine and you are the branches. That's all ahead. Beverly Canaris is my guest in the studio, and uh, we're going through the, the uh, I am's of, of Jesus in the book of John. We'll be right back.
All right, we are back. We're talking uh, with Beverly Canaris today. We're covering the I Am's of Jesus, and we had to do this in two parts because we got started and covered most of them, but now we've got a couple left to do. And we just finished I Am the Resurrection and the Life. Now I think we should move on to John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Powerful verse. Good one to have memorized, actually. It's an essential mm-hmm. verse you should have mm-hmm. memorized. Yeah. Yeah, he's making some amazing claims here. It's such an important verse. I really can't emphasize that enough. John fourteen six. If you're not familiar with it, that's a good one to look up and to really think about each phrase that Jesus speaks here and what he's really trying to say. So look at let's look at it phrase by phrase. Um, he makes some very exclusive claims here again about who he is and how that impacts us then eternally. So let's break this down into the three claims and how they work together. First of all, he said, I am the way. You know, when you think of a sailboat, um, there's this little thing on top they call a crow's nest. Mm -hmm. And that was um, how they would look out so they could see as far as they could see from their ship where they were going. Um, And that's really what Jesus is saying here. I am the way. Uh, We don't know the way to God. We need God himself to really show us who he is, and the way to him. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, when they were marching in the desert for 40 years, had this cloud, and then they had a pillar of fire that helped to show them the way. But now Jesus says he is the way. The way is a person. In fact, there was a a man following a native out of the jungle, and and this man was very worried. Do you know the way? It just didn't seem, there was no path, nothing. And the... uh, person turned around and said to him, I am the way. I am the way. We're to follow him, um, not not some paths or whatever. He said, you look to him. It's not theories or philosophies. This way is a divine person that seeks a relationship with us. He's going to show us the way as we seek him. Um, we can pray to this person who's the way. We can follow him. Who doesn't need adv- guidance? Uh, we all need guidance. Daily. Every Daily day. we mm-hmm. need guidance. There's always decisions to be made. There's there's choices. There's um, perplexing situations. We need someone to show us the way. And we need someone we can follow because very often to see it as a living illustration um, is so much more powerful than just theory. So here we can we can get to know Jesus, follow him, and he's going to show us the way. Um, all of us, as we seek guidance, really are pretty weak in seeking it for ourselves. So where are we seeking a guide today? Where do we need Jesus to be the way for us? Do we need a way to be opened up so that we can proceed in our life to a particular end? Or do we need the way in order to know how to get out of this situation or how to respond in this situation or how to guide our children in this situation? Where are we really seeking a guide? He wants to be that for us. You know, Jesus said also here that uh, he is the way. Only one person in history ever said, I am the way. He is the way in so many things. He's the way of creation. We learn in John, first chapter, that he was the creator. He is the way out of sin, where that is a problem. He is our way out of confusion. God is a God of order. He is the way to love and forgive our enemies. 
wow, that's a hard one. But he mm. can show you the way to that. I've certainly experienced that in my own life. He's also the way to peace. When you start to feel that old anxiety level just take off, he, concentrate on him, go to him, and he can show you the way to peace. He's also the way to truth. We had that earlier that he is the way, the truth, and here it is. He is the truth, the way to safety. He's the way to freedom, and he's the way to live as we follow him. And he's also the way to die as we keep our eyes on the gospel and that promise of eternal life. Early on, Christians were first known as followers of the way. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? That was how they identified. Yeah, yeah. That, I think that's really interesting when we start looking at this I am. And I think of this verse, this John fourteen six. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If that's not true, that's one of the most egomaniacal statements that's ever been made, right? Yeah, right, right. What He's... kind of megalomaniac makes this kind of statement? No, but he backs it up. But if it's true, you mm-hmm. fall on your knees and repent. Exactly. He is the way. He is the way. Again, I just love to point to the fact that he's talking about himself here. He's not talking about setting up a great organization or any of that. He's talking about who he is. And that's the essence of Christianity is Christ and who he is. You know, Jesus was the way for the woman caught in adultery. Mm -hmm. He forgave her. Jesus was the way for Zacchaeus who was caught in greed. Uh, Jesus was the way out of demon possession for the man who had how many legion of devils in him. And Jesus is the way to the Father. That's a very important part, how these three things um, kind of tie a bow at the end of them. Jesus is the way to the Father. You cannot know God apart from Jesus. And just to sum that up in a very contemporary way, there is no bypassing Jesus. You're not going to get to God by bypassing Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So what way is Jesus asking you, Bill, and me today to follow him? Um, Maybe some listeners might be thinking, you know, I've been hearing these things about Jesus, and maybe it's time that he's showing you the way to confess your sins to him and to receive him by faith as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today he's asking you to follow him in obedience in a particular area of your life. Maybe he's showing you the way to bring uh, great comfort into your life, to get involved in a church, get involved in a small group. He wants to show you the way for that abundant life that he's promised. And he will do it every time if you seek him. You, no doubt. No doubt. It's no a doubt. promise. No doubt. He is the way. So let him be your guide we all need guidance. We have to turn to him. If you think we know it all and we think we got all the answers, that is, um, we need to be humble and come to the Lord with those needs for guidance. I mean, Bev, if you think about it, this claim is so outrageous that you absolutely have to investigate it. You right? do. All of these are. All these uh, I am statements are I so know, but, profound. But this, this one in particular. In particular. Yeah. So. Yeah. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's going to be a, a lot of people, I even wondered the people that were hearing that statement, going, mm-hmm. who does this guy think he is, you know? Yeah, well, that's why C.S. Lewis said, you know, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. Right. Y- you don't have many choices here. Right. Um, but certainly, 
we believe that this is Lord. Um, let's talk about truth. He said, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth. Again, it's who he is, is truth. Years ago, I had a, a conversation with a um, male flight attendant, and we were talking about, I was trying to kind of talk to him about the Lord a little bit, and he kept saying like, oh yeah, I believe in truth and truth, and I kept leading him to the name of Jesus, and he kept flying back to the word truth, and I realized he's really not seeking Jesus. He's seeking after some elusive truth, whatever that is out there. Um, truth is a real quest, I think, for most people. you They want to know uh, what are the truths in life and things that they can base their life on. Um, but there's many different ways for people to choose. So today, very often, truth is treated as relative. What's true for you is not true for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but in our Christian faith, this is an important point. I think it's important to listen to this. In our Christian faith, it is not our belief that makes the precepts in Christianity true we believe because they are true it's not relative truth we believe because they are true God's Word the Bible is truth for all people for all time truth is not a fad mm. if it's truth not a trend no yeah. no it's not a fad, Timeless. and it's not because we believe it that it's truth it's truth um, Jesus declared himself as the word And really, the crux of Christian truth is in Christ himself. So the big questions in life are answered in Christ. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Truth is not something, it's someone. And to answer those big questions, we have to go to the truth of Christ. Again, this is a claim to divinity. The truth is Jesus is God with the veil of flesh on, and that veil removed, then we see the truth of who God is. And in John 17, Jesus made a statement similar to this. He said, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So to know Christ is to know God, and to know Christ is God, is to know, is to have that eternal life. Um, So it's, it's not about ceremony or anything like that. It's about knowing Christ, who is the truth. Now, we think truth is so hard to find when actually truth is so near and so uncomplicated, just meditating on these I am's of Christ. We're meditating on truth. It's very uncomplicated. The simplest person can know him. Knowing Jesus answers those big questions in our life. Why am I here? To serve and glorify God. Mm -hmm. Who am I? I have been created by God. I am precious to him. I am loved by him. And when I receive him, I become his child. So all these big questions can be answered in the truth of who Christ is. And if you want to grow deeper in your faith with uh, God and get to know Jesus better, you should be able to rattle these all off from memory over the course of your lifetime, right? Yes, to go through them, you know, if you're if you're laying in bed and and filled with worry and and fretting, I, I just think to go over again and again, who is Christ? That brings such comfort and power into your life. It does just meditating on who He is. If every day we took one truth about who God is, who Christ is, that would make a huge difference in our life. I know when I am having my time with the Lord in the morning, I, that's what I do. I write down an attribute. I want to focus in on who He is. That gives me strength comfort, focus for my day. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's really a wise idea in your prayer time to give God thanks for things that are not subject to negotiation, <laughs> that, are not subject, well said. that are not subject to change. Yes. You are the Messiah. You are the bread of life. You are the light of the world. You went to the cross and died for my sins. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my, you, my name is written in the book of life. Those are all things that are not negotiable. They're not going to change because everything else will change. Health will change. Finances will change. Relationships will change. And if you have a habit of always going to God and thanking him for things that aren't going to change, you're going to have a spirit of gratitude when your circumstances change. You're going to always be thankful and have a habit of being grateful. Not only a habit of being grateful, but your faith, your faith will really increase because it's repeating these things over and over again about what's true that gives you such a solid faith basis. So when those tough times do come and throw you for a loop, you have to go back to those truths about who God is. It's always about who he is. It's Again, it's not about an organized this or that or um, uh, something that is a, a random quote or something like that. No, you go back to who God is. That's what's going to bring you true comfort. Well, let's finish this out. The third one is, and Jesus is the life. He is the source of both physical life and spiritual life. When we go back to the first chapter of John, Jesus says there that he is the word of life and that he was there at creation and created all life. Jesus also said in some of his statements that he makes all things new. So he remakes our lives. He made us. And then he came to remake our lives with qualities that we can't have without him. We become alive to the real life then that God wants us to have to the degree to which we know him. When we reject Christ who is the life, we remain dead in our sins or are in spiritual death. That's, that's, it's, a, it's a very bold truth what he's saying here. Without Christ who is life, our lives are going to be characterized empty, empty. They're dull. They're without purpose, without true love. You're a ship without a sail, just kind of wandering on the ocean of life. You don't have peace. So it's a beautiful thing when we have the Jesus as the source of that life. Um, you know, once there was a kid who couldn't remember and did just was doing terrible on his uh, geometry tests, but this same young man remembered every statistic about baseball <laughs> and also the words of his favorite music. He could just quote them per- perfectly. So this young man really is dead to geometry but alive to sports and to entertainment. And people can you be have to get dead. Personal. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's not you at all. People can I'm dead be dead to geometry, just yeah, so you oh, know. Oh, yeah, 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 me I'm too. I'm definitely dead to geometry. Oh, I'm alive to sports, so no, I am that. I go back even to algebra. Uh, people can be dead to the Lord, and they don't know they're dead to the Lord, or may, they may not even care that they're dead to yeah. Him. But Jesus is the way that leads us to truth, and that way leads us generally. And it leads us, most importantly, to God the Father. The life meant for us is bound up in knowing Jesus Christ. We have not really lived if we haven't received Christ as our Lord and Savior. All right, Beth, let's take a little break. When we come back, we've got one more to go. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Beverly Canaris is my guest in studio. We'll be right back. Thanks for being with us today. I hope your drive home is going well. 
Lights may be on in the car if you're in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. It's kind of dark, cold, and windy, but, you know, it is what it is. It's already fall, and we're, um, I'm in studio with Beverly Canaris, and uh, she taught Bible Study Fellowship for 30 years as a teaching leader, and now she just loves to continue to teach and mentor and write books and do that. So we're talking about the IMs of Jesus, really beautifully outlined in the uh, book of John, and we are now down to our last I am. We started this uh, last week and didn't get it done, so I insisted she come back and and finish what she started. So, Bev, I think we're down to the I am the vine, and you are the branches. This is probably one of the most famous. I and agree. It's, it's such a word picture. We learn and think with pictures. And Jesus, the master teacher, uses this picture that would have been so familiar to his audience and is still familiar to us today. We all have yard work to do, and he's, he's really relating it to the everyday person. So let me just read a few verses here from John 15. I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Pretty strong. Pretty strong, and he he repeats himself there quite a bit, and every good teacher knows that's the key to learning, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Repetition, repetition. Well, Jesus calls himself the vine. We're the branches. God the Father is the gardener. So that's a great picture of everybody's role here in this illustration. It really describes the very intimate relationship that exists between the Lord and his children. Israel was always pictured as the vine in the Old Testament um, it's it's used as a picture for them. They even had um, reliefs on walls and things. Dec- they decorated with that picture of a vine. You know, we all can relate to this process of growth and to pruning. Um, three things here to note. First of all, the gardener God cuts off the dead branches. And there's always been a lot of debate on who are the dead branches. But I think it tells us in the text The branches are the dead ones that they're being cut off. So these are the ones who um, have not received Christ, who have rejected God, um, and they are dead, literally, in their sins. That backs up what we read in the rest of the Bible. So my opinion here is the gardener cuts off the dead branches. These are the ones who are choosing to to remain dead in their sins. Then there's the branches, uh, these dead branches are going to be burned as well. What does that mean? Well, it means that there's going to be a judgment for those who refuse to be part of the vine um, that, that God has provided here for us. Next is the topic of pruning. Uh, I know I have a tree in front of my dining room window, and if they don't prune it, and they haven't pruned it for the last few years, it doesn't blossom. So I'm waiting for it to them to prune it so I, we get more uh, flowers on that that tree. If our activities and our busyness keep us from the life-giving vine of Christ, we may need to be pruned, and he may prune us in order to get on with the business of bearing fruit. Um, God is working for our good, and so his children, the dead branches are cut off and they are due for judgment, but his children the, who are on the, um, the vine, Jesus Christ, the branches, He will take even the good branches 
um, those of us who do love the Lord, and he's going to prune us. And that is a good thing in our life. God is working for our good. Um, He may give things to us, take things away, give us opportunities, challenge us with areas where we can grow. But what is fruit? What is this mysterious fruit that we're supposed to be producing? Um, Fruit in the scripture really is described in two different ways in scripture. There's fruit of the spirit. These are these nine uh, characteristics, and it's it's just fruit of the spirit. So it's kind of a package deal. When we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. And within us are the, the uh, possibilities and the opportunity to develop these nine characteristics, love, joy, peace, patience, forgiveness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. But then there's another kind of fruit in Scripture as well, and this is the fruit of serving God in the place where God has called you. And that can be a little challenging for people to understand what's, where am I called? Am I, and then I compare myself to others. Well, look, they're over there. They're doing all this work for the Lord. And, you know, God's called me to take care of, of, of an elderly parent right now or take care of three little children that, um, you know, there's very little glory in those kinds of jobs. But there we are serving the Lord. If that's where he's called us to serve, we're going to bear fruit in that capacity. I call it a a high chair ministry, you know, when you've got little ones at home and you just, you don't get the rewards and no one knows about it um, or caring for someone. It's a, it's a beautiful hidden place where you are really serving and bearing fruit for the Lord. So we can't compare ourselves. That's what where we get in trouble here with fruit bearing, thinking, oh, that person is so fruitful and I could never be like them. So we do nothing. That's not the right thing. God has called you where you are right now, and within the context of that circumstance is the area, the place where you can bear fruit for him by staying connected to the vine. You can't just get your own ideas of what that is. Staying connected to him will help us to bear fruit in those situations, even in situations where our personality, our temperament, our our life is being tested by circumstances. Are we going to respond? Are we going to bear the fruit of those nine traits of the Spirit? Or are we going to respond in the flesh? So this is the kind of fruit bearing we're talking about here. Um, there can be a lot of stumbling blocks, Bill, mm-hmm. to being fruitful. You know, poor nutrition, of course, yeah. and that means we're not really feeding on the vine. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a beautiful picture. How do we feed on the vine are we in God's word? Are we getting to know him in prayer? Are we in worship? Are we in community with other believers? Are we giving in all the different ways that we're called to give? Also, we might have a stumbling block to being fruitful. We might have a disease called sin and unforgiveness in our life, and that can hinder our fruit bearing. So if we have unconfessed sin, this might just be a little prod for us right now to just to take a moment and to confess that to the Lord especially unforgiveness. I find people with um, a a big grudge in their life have a hard time moving on with the Lord. Or maybe you're just uh, not bearing fruit because you're young in the Lord. You just recently received the Lord. You're a young person. You need time to grow. And as you grow, so will your fruit bearing. Or maybe you're that stubborn vine that you resist his pruning. You keep trying to pull away from those scissors. You don't want to obey him. And yet he's trying to do the pruning the hard work in your life so that you might be a more fruitful person. Um, And the dead, of course, that Jesus talks about here, the dead are not even in the vine. They're dead branches. Mm -hmm. So they they have a a judgment of fire ahead. 
So what's the most important teaching for us in this? First of all, we must remain in him, abide in him. I kind of prefer the King James version there of abiding. I love that word. I don't, mm-hmm. Remain in him is okay, but it's, it's very, uh, doesn't seem as proactive as mm-hmm. it should be. Um, so there needs to be an ongoing abiding, an active abiding in him. Um, and that way we have a promise that we will bear much fruit. So where do we see fruit in our life? Do we see fruit and why not? great. It's been a wonderful hour, Bab. Thank you so much for digging deep with the IMs because it's something we all should meditate on, memorize them, get them just right into our bones just to understand who Jesus is based on who he says he is. It's a powerful uh, passage from the book of John. And if you missed any of this, uh, Bab did part one last week and part two today. So you can go to myfaithradio.com and check it out. Thanks to all my guests today. Rebecca, especially you, um, amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, Justin Flom, thanks for coming into the studio. And Bev, you've been wonderful as always. Our big fall share starts tomorrow, so you will uh, hear us uh, starting bright and early at 6 a.m. Thank you for uh, supporting Faith Radio, and thank you for caring about us and caring about us as individuals. We had an event last night and got to meet a whole bunch of fantastic listeners. Thank you so much for coming. It was great to meet you. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Fall Share begins in several hours. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.